So as uh, we mentioned last week, uh, we're continuing our series titled The Teachings of Jesus. And, and our aim in this series is to answer the question, who is the real Jesus, right? Who is Jesus of Nazareth, born of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, uh, crucified, buried, and raised three days later? Who is this Jesus who claims to be the Son of Man and the Messiah, the very God-Man? Who is Jesus? And then as his disciples, what does that mean for us? And to this end, for the next few weeks, uh, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. Uh, but before we get into what Jesus taught on prayer, uh, let's go ahead. I want to review the context of where we're going to jump in uh, tonight. Um, that is when and where is Jesus doing this teaching on prayer and why? Well, at this point in Matthew's account of Jesus' life in ministry, it's in chapters 5 through 7, Jesus is delivering a sermon, uh, a message to his disciples, and it covers a broad range of topics. Uh, in fact, it's the longest uninterrupted portion of Jesus' teachings that we have in the whole Bible, and it's often called by many the Sermon on the Mount. And, and really, if, if you want to know what Jesus believed and taught on so many different issues, ranging from anger uh, to sexual sin to lying, forgiveness, anxiety, and more, there is no better place to begin than the Sermon on the Mount. And so tonight, I want you all to envision the scene in your mind. Jesus is sitting on a hill on an elevated place, and all of his disciples are surrounding him. And this is where he gives this message, this sermon. And, and part of that message includes a lesson on prayer. So let's go ahead and read our passage, pray, and then dig in. Uh, ben, could you read verses 5 through 6? And uh, Ingalls, can you read verses 7 through 8? And everybody get your papers out and be reading along together. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by all by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows that you need before you ask them. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would grant us the spirit of wisdom and the revelation, the disclosure, the divine manifestation of your Son and his teaching on prayer in such a way that we're drawn into desire a deeper, richer, fuller prayer life where we actually experience you and know you and walk with you. And so, Father, this message cannot do that apart from your work. And so I just lean on you now, asking have mercy on us, uh, inspire us, encourage us from your word and from the teachings of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now in this passage, uh, Jesus is going to first teach us how to pray, right? But really, he's going to teach us how not to pray. Uh, look at verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And then go down to verse 7. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. 
And so what we have here is Jesus, he's, he's pointing us to the example of who he calls the hypocrites and the Gentiles, and he's saying, don't be like them. Uh, don't follow their example. Instead, pray like this. And then this is how he's going to instruct us. And so first, the negative example, the first one he gives are the hypocrites. And they're mentioned in verse five. So look there again with me. Jesus says, and when you pray. And actually, I just want to pause right there. Students, note that Jesus says when you pray, not if you pray. When. This tells us that Jesus expects you and me as his followers to engage in conversation and prayer with your father. Um, and this makes sense. If you go through the gospel accounts, you'll see Jesus. He'll pull away from the traveling and the mission, uh, the ministry, uh, uh, ministry and the healing. And he'll pull away to a desolate place and he'll pray. So now Jesus. Now, when Jesus says Pray, I don't want to assume that we all have a clear understanding on what prayer is. Uh, because honestly, I didn't. As a young Christian, I didn't really grasp what is prayer? What does it really mean to pray? And so I want to give you guys a simple definition tonight. And it's this. Prayer is continuing a conversation that God started with us through his word. Prayer is continuing a conversation, a dialogue, a, a fellowship that God started. He began it. He initiated it with us through his word. That's prayer. And if you listen to that definition, you'll see that fundamental to prayer is the belief that the God of the universe speaks. The one who put the sun and the moon in the sky, the one who created millions and millions of different species, the one who masterfully designed your brain, your eyes, your hair, your body, all that you are, your organs, the creator, he's not mute. He's not silent. He's not detached. He's not voiceless. But this God speaks. He uses words to communicate with his people. And so that's a fundamental belief inherent to prayer. God speaks. It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. And as followers of Jesus, we believe that God does this speaking, this, this communicating uh, through the prophets and the apostles' testimony recorded in the Bible, Scripture. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, the one who met Jesus on the road to Damascus and got his whole life turned upside down and was commissioned by Jesus to go spread the good news. He writes this in his letter to a young pastor, 2 Timothy 3.16. He says this, all, all of Scripture is breathed out by God. All of Scripture is breathed out by God so that when we read Scripture, when we hear the Bible, we hear the very voice of God speaking. And so then prayer, very simply, it's just responding. It's responding, answering back to what God has said. Now, in the messages to come, we're going to be talking about prayer for a few weeks. We'll talk more specifically on what kind of responses we can have to God's word. But for now, I just want you guys to lock that in your mind, that simple definition of prayer. It's continuing a conversation, a dialogue with God that he started through his word. Now, if that's what prayer is, Jesus now turns, uh, turns to tell us how not to pray. So look back at verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, when you're communicating with God, you must not be like the hypocrites. 
Uh, interestingly, that word hypocrite, it wasn't always a negative term. Uh, it wasn't always a way to refer to somebody as phony. Rather, it originally referred to an actor in a play or a drama. So in ancient times, uh, people would refer to like, hey, Tom Holland, he's a hypocrite. Or Scarlett Johansson, he's a hypocrite or she's a hypocrite. But over time, people started to use the word to describe ingenuine, phony, fake people, right? Who would, like an actor, lay aside their true identity, what they really believed, what they really felt, how they really acted, and they would lay aside that identity to play a role, right? Like Tom Holland becoming Peter Parker. And so when Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites, he's saying, don't be like the pretenders, the actors, the phonies, don't be like them. And then in the latter half of verse 5, he tells us more specifically what he means. That is, don't be like them in what way, Jesus? What do you mean? In what way don't be like the hypocrites? Well, look there again with me. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for, this is what they do. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. According to Jesus, these hypocrites these pretenders, they're, they're religious people, actually. They're churchgoers, so to speak, at least outwardly. And they love to pray. They enjoy prayer. They like prayer. But note where. Where do they love to pray? In the synagogues and at the street corners. Now, synagogues were kind of like our churches today. It's where the Jewish people, they, they gather together to worship and to hear God's word. Um, and then Jesus mentions the, the street corners because it was often the custom of the Jewish people to pray three times a day. So in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. And when that afternoon time came around, whether they were at home or at work or in the marketplace in the streets, they would stop right there in the public square and pray. So then to put it simply, the hypocrites love praying where? In public. When people were watching. When there was an audience. Well, why? Because they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be seen. That is, they wanted others to think highly of them. They wanted to have a reputation of being spiritually mature and devout and God lovers. And surprisingly, look at what Jesus says at the verse, end of verse 5. Look at what he says. Truly, they have received their reward. In other words, people think they're godly. People really do. People admire and respect them. Put another way, if all they wanted was the approval and admiration of human beings, then they got it. They got the reward. From Jesus' standpoint, he, then he says, you can successfully fool your audience. You, you can play the part. Uh, you can totally deceive your parents and teachers and youth leaders and Christian friends. You can fool everyone into thinking that you're really devoted and committed to God. And Jesus says, congratulations. Now a few mere mortals have a positive opinion about you that will probably be gone tomorrow. Congrats. <laughs> so great. Some people think highly of you, and it's not even true. Brothers and sisters, you know, even in this room, there are some who sing the songs, play the, pray the prayers, put, they put a front on, and they act like they're lovers of God, yet when at school or at home or at work, they act totally different. 
There are some here who have all the right answers. They go through all the motions, but it's only so that they might be seen. They just want to be seen. That's all they want. They don't really want God. They're hypocrites, pretenders. They're just praying a role. And listen, if you're that hypocrite, I sympathize with you because I was you. I was you. I was the hypocrite. I'm a recovering hypocrite. Um, in the beginning of my Christian life, although I truly did love God, I was more concerned about what others thought of me than actually having a real relationship with God. So I, I come to you now as a recovering hypocrite, fighting every day of my life against the temptation to do religious stuff so that you think highly of me, so that you respect me, so that you admire me. I fight against that temptation regularly, daily, so that I'm not doing it to get your opinion, your approval, but for God's. And I do this uh, by following the instructions of Jesus in the next verse. So look at verse six with me. This is, this is how we overcome hypocrisy. But when you pray, that is unlike the hypocrites who do it in public for the praise of men and women, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. In Jesus's day, the room he would have been referring to was located in the inner part of someone's house. And remember, their homes back then, they were often small. Uh, they were made of like mud brick. In fact, the room Jesus referred to probably served as some sort of uh, pantry. So, so don't Im imagine your bedroom uh, as much as your closet at home. A small, dark, even cramped room uh, filled with all sorts of items. And then once you're in that quiet, discreet, dark place, Jesus says, shut the door so that you're totally alone without anybody listening or watching. And he says, pray to your father who is in secret. Did you catch that? Who is in secret. That's an amazing promise. God is in the secret place. He's not on Snapchat or he's not promising to be there right now. Not on Netflix, not on Minecraft or 2K or ESPN. God is in your room, door shut, and you on your knees seeking him with all your heart in genuine earnest, pleading and praying for his presence in your life. That's where God is. He's in secret. So if, let me ask you, students, are you spiritually dry and empty? Uh, does God feel so far away? Does it all feel like a lie? <laughs> then this week, every day, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Go in your room, shut the door, get in your closet. I dare you. I dare you to do that every day. Just this week, go in your room, shut the door in your closet and pray alone when no one's watching. And look what, it's promised at the verse in uh, verse six, into verse six. Jesus says, you, you do that, right? You seek your father in prayer and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Students, hypocrites get the temporary praise of friends and family and teachers. They get seen by humans, but people who, who seek God alone in prayer, uh, they receive a heavenly reward. They actually develop a true and vibrant and real relationship with God. 
the eternal, glorious, all-powerful lover and protector of their souls. I mean, wouldn't you rather know God than pretend to just impress a few people who will never, ever, ever love you like God? who will never seek your best interest like God, who will never be loyal to the bloody end like God. Students, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that you will commit yourself to secret prayer. Give it a chance. Get into your room. Shut that door and get alone with God. Wrestle with Him. Seek Him. Now, after exhorting us to not pray like hypocrites, uh, Jesus turns to the second negative example. Look at verse 7. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And that word Gentile in this context, uh, it basically refers to unbelievers. Uh, not that they're atheists. Uh, surely they believed in a God. Everybody did back then. Uh, but maybe it was the sun God or the rain God or the uh, corn God or so forth. But not the true and living God revealed to us in the Bible. And according to Jesus, the unbelievers uh, the Gentiles, they, they heaped up empty phrases when they prayed. That is, they, they used a lot of words, perhaps special terms. They tried really, really hard with great, to get God's attention with great repetition and eloquence and quantity. The more words they said, the better. And why? Why, were, why, why, why was that their strategy? Uh, Jesus says in the latter half of verse 7, for, this is why, they think that they will be heard for their many words. They thought they could impress God. They thought that they could win God's respect and approval and gifts if they just tickled his ear enough, if they just somehow said the best and greatest words. And I, I think we've all faced this temptation before. We've all probably felt the pressure to pray, especially in front of others in some grand way in order for God to hear and answer us. We, we've all felt at some point like our prayers were just like plain and simple and ordinary, uh, so much that God might not even respond. But see, God doesn't want us to try and impress him. He, he, he just wants you to genuinely, genuinely seek him. He doesn't need us to awe or inspire him to answer with our many words and phrase, phrases. Rather, look at what Jesus says in verse 8. He says, do not be like them. That is, don't heap up empty phrases. Why? For your father knows what you need before you ask, you ask him. So your, your all-wise father, all-good, all-powerful, he's present in all places at all times. He's your father and he knows you. He knows exactly what you need. More than that, he loves you so that he is eager to meet all your needs according to his wisdom. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't pray. <laughs> it just means that we pray for different reasons. Not to somehow extract gifts from a divine being, but to fellowship and enjoy our dad in heaven, to, to meet with him in secret as ourselves, as who we really are, not trying to perform, but with our simple and imperfect prayers and all to genuinely experience his goodness, his hope, his joy, his power, his love, all things beautiful and true that are in his presence. And so students, Jesus teaches us to pray and before, before he starts by teaching us how not to pray. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Don't pray like the Gentiles. Get alone with him. Get alone with your father in heaven. And don't worry about heaping up a bunch of words and phrases. Just genuinely seek him. 
And he is pleased with that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you answer our prayers, that you are powerful and able, that you, you have, you're full of compassion and, and you're so wise and you know exactly what we need before we even ask. And so, Father, I pray that through this message, we would be encouraged and, and, and drawn to you to pray. And I pray that every student here, Father, would truly get on their knees alone and pray to you. And that you would answer their prayers and you would show that you are good and loving and kind and true and all that you say you are. And I pray they'd be faithful in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.